Welcome everyone. As I said in the beginning, already in Eretz Yisrael, it's the 17th of Tammuz. The fast day begins in the morning. And we begin now the three weeks, culminating in the full 24-hour fast day of Tisha B'Av. True to our promotions, we're going to keep this to 20 minutes. And hopefully during these three weeks, we will be bringing more insights. Tonight, I want to bring three insights. The first one is that according to the Mishnah in the Masechet of Tanit, five things happened on Yud Zayin B'Tamuz, and five things happened on Tisha B'Av. On Yud Zayin B'Tamuz, Moshe broke the tablets when he saw them worshiping the golden calf. And <clears throat> the walls of Jerusalem were breached. They ran out of offerings in the temple because of the siege. And a Torah was burned by the ruler of that time. And an idol was set up in the temple. And on Tisha B'Av, that is when they cried, when they heard 10 of the 12 spies saying, we can't make it in Eretz Yisrael. They came back from spying out the land and said, they're too strong, they're too great, we, we won't be able to make it. And people were crying, let's, let's go back to Egypt. And God said, you're crying for no reason. I will establish for you a reason for crying through all the generations. So that's the first thing that happened on Tisha B'Av. And then both temples were destroyed. Beitar fell. And the, the Torah Mount was plowed over. So we see in Yud Zayin B'Tamuz, the theme of breaking. Moshe literally broke the tablets. And on Tisha B'Av, both temples were broken, were destroyed. So this, these two incidences mirror the catastrophic uh, event that the Arizal explains at the big beginning of creation, where the initial lights of creation were so great and so pure and so infinite that the finite vessels, quite specifically the spherot, could not hold this light and they shattered. So in the temple, excuse me, in the Torah, the breaking of the tablets of the law and the breaking of the temples mirror this event. And actually, the first breaking of the vessels was actually in the Garden of Eden. How so? The light of utopia, of a perfect Garden of Eden, was, was too much for the vessels of Adam and Eve. They didn't have the vessels to contain such an a exalted existence. So 
to explain on a deeper level what's going on in this day, Yud Zayin Batamus, is that three and a half months ago, we come out of Egypt. Pesach, we come out of Egypt and we're on our way to Mount Sinai. And if everyone can remember the awesome light that comes down on Seder night, the light is so incredible. Everyone feels it. And then we're on our way to Har Sinai. And 50 days later, we receive the Torah. And we hear God's voice in a revelation that was never before and has never been repeated. The seven heavens opened. All of our senses merged together. We saw what usually you could only hear. And then Moshe goes up on the mountain for 40 days. And on Yud Zayin Batamuz, he comes down with the first tablets of the law. This was supposed to be the highest day in all of creation. As we went from Pesach to Shavuos to Moshe bringing down the Torah, and now we're ready to take the Torah into Eretz Yisrael and build a Torah society and become a light unto the nations. Yud Zion, meaning the 17th of Tammuz, Yud Zion equals, 17 equals the word Tov. So today is was supposed to be Tov B'Tammuz, not just any good, supposed to be the highest goodness in all of history. Moshe was bringing down the Torah to Am Yisrael. And according to the Midrash, everyone was healed. Everyone could see, everyone could hear. The, the impurity of the snake of the Garden of Eden was taken away. And the Midrash even says that had we been able to receive the first tablets of the law, death itself would have been abolished. And then the golden calf. And Moshe breaks the tablets. So what was supposed to be the highest of the high became a shattering. And again, this mirrors the cosmological shvirata kelim, the breaking of the vessels in the beginning of creation. And this world is called the world of tikkun. And this world is made up of the, of the shattered vessels of a previous world. And in a sense, the, the, the theme, the purpose of this world is tikkun. That's why the Arizal called the state of the world now, olam tikkun, the world of fixing. So this just gives us an idea, the potential of this day. And if, again, if we think back from Pesach and spring with new leaves and buds and the new fruits, and everything was just going higher and higher. It's summertime now. And 
summertime is is usually the time of great freedom and uh, time to uh, strike out and forge new paths. And instead, we had the breaking of the vessels in the beginning of the three weeks. <clears throat> but it's important to understand the, the potential here, because along with the theme of exile during the next three weeks, there's also a theme of redemption. And so the keys of tikkun are in our hands. That's why the Slonimer Rebbe said it's not so much that we're crying for that which was destroyed, the temples that were destroyed. It's more that we're crying that we're not on the level to have rebuilt it yet. That's why the Gemara says that any generation that does not see the rebuilding of the temple, it's as if they're experiencing the, the, the destruction of the temple. So in a sense, our crying during these three weeks is because of our situation today that we're not on the, on the level yet to bring Mashiach to rebuild the temple. But just like the theme of these three weeks are exile and redemption, we have one foot in exile and the other foot is already in redemption. What's happening in Israel these last hundred years is miraculous, prophetic to the nth degree. Everything the prophets said would happen is happening now. There's just a few pieces missing. And sometimes when you're so close to something, but you're not quite there, sometimes it hurts even more than if you know that you're really, really far away. And we're, we're so close to redemption that sometimes we get this mm, in our hearts that we're not quite there. That's the first idea I'd like to give over. The second idea is based on the first idea that from Pesach, Pesach is in the first month of the year. As you probably know, we have a new year of years, that's in Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah. But we have a new year of months in Nisan, that's the month of Pesach. So we're now in the fourth month of the year. And there's a, a very important teaching from Rabbi Avram Abulafia, a great Kabbalist in the late 1200s. And he had a concept called Shalem Bechetzi a whole and a half. And this is a whole subject in itself, but just in short, it's an idea that along with every entity of holiness, there's also an entity of, of a half. If you look in the descriptions of the measurements of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, in the book of Shemot, Interestingly enough, halves are all over the place. Something is one and a half in measurement, or two and a half. You would think in, in the Mishkan, which represents uh, perfection in, in a sense, 
it's the microcosm of the macrocosm, you would have whole numbers. But you see half numbers all over the place. Probably the most important Sholem and Chetzi is in the Shema. Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Hashem in Gematria is 26, and Echad is 13. So in relationships, in relationship to God, God is the whole, and we are the half. And yet, paradoxically, our being half means we're half of a whole. And knowing that we're connected to the whole makes us feel whole. Or in a, a spouse relationship, each one of the spouses is a half. And put together, we're a whole. We, we're a whole. And so when we feel we're part of Am Yisrael, so each one of us is like the, the chetzi shekel that we would bring. This is a perfect example. When they did a counting in the temple, we brought half shekels, not whole shekels, because each person in relationship to Am Yisrael is a half of a whole. But being part of the whole, even though we're a half, makes us feel whole. So why am I saying all of this? So this is a teaching from Rob Ginsburg. Going back to what we learned already, that in the fourth month, the month of Tammuz, on the 17th of Tammuz, which is today, when Moshe broke the tablets, the entire year pivots on this day. Because after this, there are eight more months. So in other words, the first four months of the year is, now we understand it's a half because the, the, the tablets were broken. So the first four months is the first four months of the year. And that's a half of the whole rest of the year. And so what begins on Yud Zayin Batamos is the transition of the year to the next eight months, which Rav Ginsburg called the months of Tshuva. Because the rest of Tammuz and Av are very, very connected to the three weeks and the theme of exile and redemption and introspection. And right after Av, we have Elo. We begin the process of true and in-depth introspection and prepare ourselves for the tshuva and all of the holidays of Tishrei. And the whole year continues until we get to the next Nisan. And we begin again as we're climbing the mountain. Now, the prophet said that after Mashiach comes, all of the fast days will become holidays. So, in the future, when we get to Yud Zayin Batamus, the, the year is not going to pivot towards from a high point to, as it were, going down the mountain. 
but it will continue to go up. And what's very, very interesting here is every month of the, of the Hebrew calendar has a permutation of God's name. A Yud and a He and a Vav and a He. There are 12 permutations because one of the letters repeats itself, the He. So the permutation for God's name in Nisan is the only month that it spells out God's name exactly as it is. A Yud and a He and a Vav and a He. Tammuz is God's name backwards. A He and a Vav and a He and a Yud. So this is exactly what we've been we've been saying, is that from Pesach there's one trajectory, and then when we get to the high point, it literally turns around. So this is it's interesting because Yud Zayin Batamas always comes near the summer solstice. Within within a, a couple of weeks, sometimes even sooner, but just like in nature. The sun reaches the, the longest days of the year, and it begins a six-month uh, reversal until we get to the winter solstice. So here we see the first four months is one energy, and then it all begins to turn on this day for the whole rest of the year until we come back to Nisan. And the third teaching is the following from the Slonim Rebbe, from the Nativat Shalom, who points out that from Yud Zayin B'Tamuz to Tishabav, the three weeks, are 22 days. Exactly as many days as the Aleph Bet, which teaches us from Aleph Ad Taf, like from A to Z. In other words, these three weeks are, it's like a world in, of its own. It's a cycle, a self-enclosed uh, cycle. But he points out that there's actually one other cycle in the year that's also exactly 22 days. And that is from Rosh Hashanah through Simchas Torah. That is in Eretz Yisrael, because in Chutz Arts there's two days of Simchas Torah. In Eretz Yisrael, Simcha's Torah is the 22nd day after Rosh Hashanah. Again, a self-contained cycle. So what's the connection between them? So the Nativa Shalom gives a beautiful parable. He says it's like an artist who wants to paint a picture. And they have a vision of the picture. But first, they, they draw the outline of the figures that will appear in the picture. And only later do they actually fill in the outline with colors. So he said it's the same thing with the year. The three weeks is when we make the outline for the new year. And this goes along with what we were saying, how the whole year turns today on Yud Zayin B'Tamuz. And we begin actually drawing the outline of the coming year. And then from Rosh Hashanah through Simchas Torah, we fill in the colors. 
through our prayers, through our tshuva, through our introspection, through coming closer to Hashem, doing good deeds. It's a beautiful parable, but what we can see from this on a very, very deep level is in creation, at the end of every day, it says, Vahi Erev, Vahi Voker, Yom Echad, Yom Sheni, Yom Shlishi. It was evening and it was day. So we begin our day at night. But this has profound implications on a psychological level, a spiritual level, a mystical level, where night comes before day. This is the, the well-known saying that the greatest darkness is right before the dawn. So we begin actually preparing for the new year as of today. Even though it seems quite, quite a ways away. But we actually start drawing the outline, but we draw it from a deep inner place. And as everyone knows, I hope everyone isn't uh, sick of hearing this, but but we, what the world has been going through the last four months, a little bit more than that, but for let's say the last four months, and especially during the, the, the lockdowns, where, where everyone had to go in, everyone was literally in their houses. And that's how we begin preparing for this new year. So in a sense, we began preparing uh, many, many months ago. But if we turn it into a positive, if we turn this introspection and this time to reevaluate what is actually happening in our lives and what's, what, what has priority and what's important, then when we come to getting close to the new year, we could start filling it in with beautiful colors new dreams, new, 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 new visions. So I also want to give over a well-known teaching from the Lubliner Rebbe. In the Mishnah it says, Mishnichnas Av Ma'atim B'Simcha. When the month of Av comes in, we lessen joy. We have an opposite in the month of Purim. Mishinichnas Adar, Marbim Besimcha. When the month of Adar comes, we increase joy. The, the Lubliner took the same words and he put, put the emphasis on a letter that is usually not translated. Be Simcha. Ma'atim Be Simcha. So he interpreted it like this. When the month of Av comes in, we lessen with joy. In other words, the three weeks is not a time for sadness or depression. Even though we, this is the time to contemplate Jewish history, to contemplate so many tragedies that have happened, especially on Tisha B'Av, we literally sit on the floor with, with candles. 
And it is a time to feel deeply, 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 deeply our, our whole history, all the tragedies that Jewish people have gone through. But the Lublin was saying, hold on to a semblance of joy because if we don't, we forget that the cycle of exile will end in redemption. Throughout our history, we've gone through many, many exiles, but each one was followed by some kind of redemption, but which then gave birth to another exile, which gave birth to another redemption. So along with contemplating all of the exiles the Jewish people have been through, it is most certainly a time to also contemplate the, not just the redemption that is coming, but what is happening in, in Israel today. With all of the problems here and all of the challenges, the Jewish people have returned to Eretz Israel, and almost a majority of Jews now live here. I just saw that Nefesh ben Nefesh has had not just more requests for Aliyah in the last couple of months, but like tenfold, like tenfold. Awesome things are happening. Redemption is happening. So I want to end with a blessing for all of us that we understand what these three weeks are about. We understand both the, the pain and the, 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 the joy of being Jewish. And I'll end with a, a, a saying in the Zohar, which says that one part of my heart is crying and one part of my heart is laughing. And as Reb Shlomo explained it, he said, when I look at the world and I see what a broken place it is, what a sick place it is right now. So many wars and hatred and pandemics and how can I not be crying? But at the same time, when I look at the world and I see so, so much beauty, so many beautiful people, so many wonderful opportunities, how, how can I not be joyous? So the next three weeks is really the time to contemplate this saying of the Zohar, that we should learn not just at a time of joy to be joyous and at a time of, of sadness to be crying, but to learn to be both simultaneous, to be always broken and, and concerned with the state of the world, and willing to do something about it in our small way. And at the same time, never, never let go of the goodness of life and the promise of better times ahead. Thank you all for tuning in. And we should have, everyone should have an easy fast.